and share one of my golf jokes with you all this morning. I know how, how much you all love golf, right? Well, there were three men golfing. The first guy gets up to the tee box, hits his ball. Ball takes off, lands in the middle of the lake. This guy's name is Moses. So he walks to the edge of the lake, put his golden club down. The lake parts. He walks out, hits his ball. Excellent shot. It lands four feet within the hole. The next guy gets up, Jesus. Hits his ball. Boom. The ball takes off, lands in the lake. It lands on a lily pad. Jesus walks to the edge of the lake, walks on water. Hits his ball. It lands within a foot of the hole. Next guy gets up, hits his ball. It goes into a drinking well. A frog swallows the ball. Frog jumps out of the well. A bird eats the frog. Bird takes the frog back to the nest. He regurgitates it for his chicks. Ball falls out, rolls into the gutter, hits the clubhouse, rolls onto the green, hole in one. Moses turns to Jesus and goes, why you always got to bring your father golfing with us? Please stand as the word of God is read. Veronica looking like, man, please. <laughs> I'll be reading from the first chapter of John, starting at verse 35. And the text reads as follows. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, uh, the privilege we have to open your word and allow it to speak to us. Speak through your servant this morning, Lord God. May you increase while I decrease. Move me out of the way and let your word come forth with great power and conviction. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray that the church say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you look in your bulletins, you'll see the title of today's message is The Big C. And what, what comes to mind if I ask you what the Big C refers to, most of you probably will say something along the lines of cancer, right? Cancer, if you're from the west side, you might say crazy, right? The Big C. But I want to talk to you about something that's just as detrimental as cancer to your health, your spiritual, physical, and mental well-being, and it is the whole concept of complaining. None of us have an issue with that, right? Well, you see, we live in a culture where everybody's complaining. It's like embedded in the fabric of America. We're one of the wealthiest, the wealthiest country in the world, and what do we do? All of us are complaining. We complain about the president. That's real big right now, complaining about the president-elect. We complain about schools, taxes, our neighbors, our neighborhoods, everything. Complaint, complaint, complaint. We got wives complaining about their husbands. My husband works too much. He never takes me out on a date. Why he can't let the toilet seat down? Complaint, complaint, complaint. You got husbands complaining about their wives. Uh, my wife always nagging me. Oh, why she always bugging me about all these unfinished projects around the house? Oh, why she always got to be making chicken? We 
boiled chicken, fried chicken, baked chicken, grilled chicken, jerk chicken, George Foreman grilled chicken, 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 chicken. Why we always got to be eating chicken? Some of the young people are complaining about their teachers. Oh, my teacher don't like me. They give me too much homework. They complain about the parents. My parents don't understand what I'm going through, right? Some of us are complaining about our jobs, our bosses, our companies. Complaint, complaint, complaint. Some of you all are complaining right now. It's too hot in here. It's too cold. How long is Brother Savage going to be babbling on up there? I got things to do, right? How many of y'all complained on the way to church? Nobody ain't going to confess to that, right? <laughs> Gus is the only one. Gus is the only one. But we complain, and the, and the dictionary defines complaining as to express dissatisfaction, pain, uneasiness, censure, uh, resentment, grief, finding fault. Now, here's what I want to tell you. All of y'all, I don't want to minimize some of the challenges that you're going through in your life. Some of it's serious stuff, legitimate things, but that doesn't give you room to complain. Doesn't give you room to complain because what I've learned over the past several years, when I was struggling and wrestling with trying to wrap my mind around the different things that would happen to me in my life, I learned to grab hold of this concept, and you all know exactly what I'm about to say, Elizabeth, right? Jesus will meet you. And I know you all are tired of hearing me say that, but it's the truth. Jesus will meet you no matter what you're going through. You might say, Brother Savage, where do you get that from? Where do, where do you come up with this stuff? I did what every Chicagoan Bible Fellowship member would do. I began to search the scriptures. I searched the scriptures and then I came upon a, a story about a woman who had an issue with blood. She had this issue with blood for probably some 12 years or so, I think the scripture said. And when she met Jesus, that issue of blood ceased to exist. I, I, I began to search the scriptures and I, I came to a place where it talked about a blind man named Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus was blind, and when he called out to Jesus, Jesus met him, and his sight was restored. I began to search the scriptures, and it told me about a man named Lazarus who had fallen ill. Lazarus had fallen ill, and the scripture said that he had been dead for several days. They had placed him in a tomb, and there was a stench coming out of the tomb because his body had began to decompose. But when he met Jesus, Lazarus was brought back to life. And you see, sometimes what we do, we, 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 we look for other things to meet us. We look, we might call a friend. But you see, the problem with calling a friend, you call at different times of the day. You call at night, you might get what? Voicemail, right? But as I searched the scriptures, it told me about a man named Nicodemus that came in the night and he cried and Jesus met him and his life was transformed. I began to search the scriptures and it told me that Jesus will meet you no matter what your situation is. We can go home right now. We can go home. The service is over. Where's Liz? I give myself away. I give myself away. Service is over. That's all you all need to know, right? Everybody looking like, yeah, I wish I, wish I was that lucky. <laughs> But the scriptures tell us that Jesus will meet you. But when we complain, 
The first thing that we need to understand is when we complain, it is a sin. It's a sin to complain. Because in Philippians 2.14, it tells us to do all things without complaining or grumbling, disputing. What should we do? Well, in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's very quiet in here. <laughs> it is a sin to complain. God doesn't give you room, no matter how difficult the situation is that you're experiencing, to complain. And see what happens, the first point, I want to give you the second point, actually, is what you do when you complain, you say, you deny the very fact that God is sovereign. You, de you deny the fact that God is sovereign. You say, he's in control. He's got all things under his power. He's working all these things out. Even when you don't even see it, he's working it out. Because Romans 8.28 tells us that, and we know that all things work together for the good of who? Those who love the Lord, those who are called according to his purpose. So I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to get bent out of shape and see when I complain what, it, what, what the deep-seated issue is, is that we really don't trust God. That's what that's saying is that I don't trust God. When I start babbling on about complaining about my job and all these things, I'm not trusting God because God tells me that he's in control. And there are certain things that, that we got we to gotta get our mind in sync with what God has called us to do. And it's aligning with what the scripture says. It said, I got to hold on. I got to give thanks in all situations. Not some, some of the time, all of the time. If you turn your Bibles, we get a great picture of what this whole complaint thing is all about through the children of Israel. Turn your Bible to Exodus chapter 16. And we all know the story about the children of Israel. They had been in bondage in Egypt, and God had called Moses to lead the people out of Egypt, to bring them out of slavery. And so God had did some, some made-for-TV type stuff. I mean, he had turned the river to blood. He brought about plagues and all these different things. He struck down the firstborn, and he comes, it comes to a place where it's like a crescendo. It's like everybody's, Pharaoh finally agrees to let the people go, and, and they're standing at the Red Sea, and God parts the Red Sea. People say Moses did it. God parted the Red Sea, and the people were able to walk on dry ground. And God, the angels held the, the, the Egyptian soldiers uh, at bay while the people crossed. And once they got to a safe position, I closed the sea and those people perished. God did some amazing things. I mean, I would, that's like stuff you see on TV and you eating popcorn and going, wow, this is amazing stuff. And in chapter 15, we see them celebrating. They singing, celebration time. Come on. Y'all know that song. I try to act like y'all know this song. If you're over 30 years old, you know that song. Gary, I know you know the song. They were celebrating. They was getting it in. And then things change. A month and a half later, the text picked up, picks up in chapter 16, verse 1. It says, and they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin. 
which is between Elam and Sinai, and on the 15th day of the second month, after they departed from the land of Egypt, then the whole congregation, uh, uh, children of Israel, complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full, for you brought us out into the wilderness to kill us, the, this whole assembly, with hunger. Wow. It's quickly how we forget God's blessings, isn't it? He had done this amazing stuff that he just did. A month and a half later, they forgot all of that. If you go, if you look at verse 27 in chapter 15, it says, The Lord had already given water, palm trees, a place to rest. He said, Then they came to Elam, where they were 12 wells of water, fresh water. The water was bitter before. Now he's provided them with fresh, sweet water, 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. They forgot that. They forgot what God had just did. This made-for-TV type stuff that he just did, they forgot that within a month and a half. How does that happen? And here's the thing. Uh, oftentimes, we tend to glorify our pre-Christian lives. I had it. Man, I remember when I was single and I could do all these things before I got saved. Shut your mouth. You was two shakes from a rattlesnake's tail from going to hell. It's like what I used to do. No, you, you, you better remember where God brought you from and be thankful for what he has done. Amen? They forgot all of that, and they started complaining, and they didn't really have it as good as they said they did. You were a slave. Oh, how good are you going to have it? You're a slave. They talk about they ate. They had pots and meat, and things were so good. Stop tripping. Y'all were slaves. You ain't have it that good. I don't know. I don't know no slave. I don't know a slave, a, a former slave. And there were some slaves that we called them house Negroes back in it. That's what they were referred to. And they lived in the master's house. Now they might have had a comfortable situation. But most of the slaves, they'll tell you that, hey, they could put that whip on you and whip you anytime. They could kill you with no recourse or anything. I don't know. No slave is going to say, I'm happy to be a slave. They started thinking the kind of deranged these people were. It's like they think about, oh, we could go back to Egypt. We had it good there. They forgot God's past blessings. And that's what happens with sometimes when, we're, we, when we complain. What we do, we forget God's past, his presence, and future blessings. We forget. Quickly we forget. The text goes on to read in verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day <clears throat> that I may test them. Whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare with what they bring in. And it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. God is in the business of growing us. He allowed these tests to come in. He's testing them. He's trying to teach them to be obedient. He's trying to teach them to look to him as God. Amen. He's trying to teach them. He's in the business of growing us. 
So the hardships, the challenges that we go through, we shouldn't complain about it because it's all necessary. Now I'm going to ask a personal question. You all can answer if you, 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 you feel free or not. Uh, if you don't, you embarrass. Don't raise your hand. How many of y'all have ever failed a class? I have one, two, three, four. Now, I can't say I, could, I, I know what that feels like because I never failed a class. But <laughs> so I can put my hand down. No, but it is what happens when you fail the class. You have to repeat it. You got to take it all over again, right? This is what they're going, to, going through right now is that they're complaining every time you complain, God is saying, you don't got it. I got to teach you another lesson. You got to go through it all over again, and you prolong your what? Your test. You got to take that class. I remember they were going to hold me back in, uh, what was it, sixth grade, Gary? When they were moving everybody to seventh grade, I fooled around the whole year, playing around. Woo, teacher would be teaching. I'd be back there dancing and laughing. And they came with those grades at the end of the uh, semester, and they would give you your room assignment for next year. And I saw that mine was the same room. I was like, ah! I ran, I kid you not. I looked at that paper. I ran all the way home. I ran because it, it was an embarrassment to have to repeat the same grade again. I don't know about now. Now they just got, I think they got this no kid left behind or some kind of thing where they just kind of push. They didn't do that back then. They would keep your, your, you would be in that same grade. I ran all the way home. And my mom, it was my mom was talking to a friend of hers. He remembered this to this day. And every time I see him, he brings it up. I remember when you was able to hold you back. Man, that wasn't funny. <laughs> I wasn't laughing. I went in there and cried myself to sleep. I got in my closet, right, Gary? <laughs> I got in my closet and went to sleep crying because I didn't want to repeat the same grade. It was embarrassment. But that's what happened to us as believers when we complain. God said, you know what? I got to teach you a lesson. You got to keep going through this class until you get it because he wants to move us to the next level. God is not in the business of keeping you in the same place. He wants you to grow. He wants you to grow. And, and, and James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience be what? Have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Does that sound like a God that wants us to stay in the same place? No. He wants to see you grow. He wants to see you move to the next level. And this is what he was trying to instill in the children of Israel, but they didn't get it. The text goes on to read in, uh, read in verse 6, Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, And even at evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord, but what are we that you complain against us? Also, Moses said, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning, bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against him. And we are, and what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against him, the Lord. That's something. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. 
every time you complain, it ain't against your boss. <laughs> it ain't against the job. You complain against the Lord. You complain against the Lord. Most like, hey, it ain't on me. God is in control. Remember what we said? God is sovereign. And if he is sovereign, I got to leave it to him because he knows what he's doing. <clears throat> he knows what he's doing. And so every time I levy a complaint, I'm saying, God, you, <laughs> I'm not trusting you. I'm, 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 I'm quite bringing into question your sovereignness. The text goes on to read, then Moses, and Moses spoke to Aaron, say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, uh, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. And he spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, and saying, at twilight shall uh, eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am Lord your God. In my sanctified imagination, I'm imagining what God is about to do here. Can you imagine you sitting in the wilderness and Harold's just start dropping a two-piece spicy, just start dropping in front of you? Huh? Why y'all trying to act like y'all don't like Harold's? Who don't like Harold's here? I was a Leon's guy. But Darius, like, I'm an Uncle Remus. He's from the west side. Uncle Remus. No, Uncle Remus. Well, Uncle Remus start falling out the sky. And you look up, you walk up, there's a two-piece here. Two-piece. Like, man, and who don't like chicken? And they said it was quail. Now, that's just me talking, but the scriptures tell. It says, and so it was that quail came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. And so when the, when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they, said, for they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is bread with which the Lord has given you. Isn't God good? He provides not only the Harold's and Uncle Remus, but he gives them some Betty Crocker biscuits and stuff too. He gives them some biscuits to eat, bread for them, to nourish them. Isn't God good? And you would have thought that they would have been happy about that, right? Not the children of Israel. Not the children of Israel. Like some of us, God has done some major things in your life. Stuff that brought you from, man, just, man, you were going through some things, and God brought you through it. And then you still, you, some people still aren't grateful. I, I had a, a, a co-worker um, that was at my office a couple weeks ago, and I was in there. He was on the phone with his boss, and he started talking to him, and he said, man, my technician doesn't have a flashlight. He don't have a flashlight. I said, really? I said, so he got off the phone. I went out there, and I said, hey, man. I heard you talking to uh, your boss, man. Here's, uh, I got a box of flashlights you can have here. And he said, here, here, how about this one? Gave him the light. I said, no charge. You can have it for free. He said, I don't feel I should have to give my guy a used flashlight. I had to hold everything back and <laughs> keep from lashing out on him. So what I did was, I said, I'm going to do you better than that. I got a brand spanking new one 
right here, right here, box steel seal, handed it to him. Guess what he did? He looked at it and he said, how do I know this thing works? I said, some people are so ungrateful. Ungrateful. I, I, I can't. That's one thing that actually now I'm complaining. Hold me, Lord. Hold me. Hold me. Hold me. Hold me. But the, the God frowns upon an ungrateful spirit. And it, I know it drives some of us. We experience it with our kids sometimes. Not my kids, but y'all kids. <laughs> but sometimes we experience it. And we say, man, they, they, I've done all these things for you. And you had a nerve to walk in here and ask me for something else. I done bought you gym shoes, put clothes on your back, roof over your head, and you're still asking for more. You would think you would sit down and do what? Shut up. That's what I think you would do. But we still complain because we got that, un look at the parents over there like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all ungrateful too. <laughs> you notice I said y'all. <laughs> See y'all. <laughs> See y'all. But the text tells us that, um, well, now y'all done made me lose, lose my spot now. And so here we go. And so Moses brings in, the bread comes, God gives the bread, he gives the, 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 the quail, all of that, and, and provides for their needs. Then the children, then he gives them instruction on how they are to gather, you know, the, the resources. He says, one omer for each person. So for five days, he gave them instructions to say, hey, for five days, I want y'all to collect just enough for that day, right? Just enough. On the sixth day, I want you to collect twice as much. Omer was like, uh, like two quarts, a little bit over two quarts. And so I want you to collect that. And then on the Sabbath, what I want you to do is do what? I want you to rest, relax. Now, what do you all think the children of Israel did? They went out looking for the food. The first thing was there were some that collected. You look at verse 19. It says, And Moses said, Let no one leave anything till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. But some of them left part of it until the morning, and it bred worms, and it stank. It got spoiled. Then we jump up to uh, verse 25. And Moses said to the, uh, on the Eat today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you uh, will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now, it happened that what? Some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but found none. Wow. Wow. Guess what? They got to continue to go through the test. They didn't get it. They didn't, they didn't understand what God was doing. They didn't get it. And here's the thing. You prolong, what happens is you prolong your, your tests. You're going to keep going through it. And we see it over and over again throughout the text. And then we go down to chapter 17. God provides water for them. They're complaining we don't have water. Complaint, complaint, complaint. Here's something else that I want you to grab hold of. We're going to shift gears. We're going to jump over to Numbers. We're going to go to Numbers. And after about a year or so, we're going to pick up with the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. We're going to jump over to Numbers, chapter 11. 
And guess what they were doing in Numbers chapter 11? Complaining. Complaining. And we'll jump down to, it says, verse 1. Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of them in the outskirts of the camp. God ain't playing. God, like, man, listen, y'all been grumbling and grumbling. Now he starts to take folks out. Remember when I said uh, 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 that complaining could be just as detrimental to your health as cancer? God killed these folk. He took them out. Those that were on the outskirts of the camp complaining, the Lord took them, took them out. Then the people cried out to Moses. And when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the Lord, the place of Taborah, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. They, complete, they started to have the same complaints over and over and over. They didn't get it. And here's the thing you got to understand about complaining. About complaining, it impacts other people. I mean, let me rephrase that. It infects other people. How many of y'all have been around a negative person? And you find yourself, that person starts going and going. It starts to rub off on you, doesn't it? That individual I've worked with for over five years, five years, and finally I pulled him in about three weeks ago, and I said, hey, I said, you know what? When was the last time you've come in here into this office and said, man, I'm going to have a great day. Uh, today was a great day. I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to crush it today. When have you ever said something along those lines? And he looked at me and he said, never. And I go, whoa, whoa. Do you understand how that impacts your, sets the tone for your day? If you start off with a negative attitude, do you understand how you infect other people? If we jump over to, to chapter 14, and for the sake of time, I want to take a look. God had promised them the land of Canaan. He said, hey, we're gonna, you guys are going to journey through here, through the wilderness, with the whole idea that you're going to come into the promised land. And God has sent 12 spies to go out and scout the land. You all know the story. They came back with a good report. Said the land is flowing with milk and honey. Said, man, it's, it's, it's off the chain, the resources that this, this land has. They came back. But the people look strong, too strong. They big. They like Kevin and Gus type big. They will snap your neck. And they were scared. They were scared. And guess what? You had two of those individuals, Joshua and Caleb, came with a good report. Say, hey, no, we could, we, could take, we could take these people. They say, pick up at verse 1. It says, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. Uh, the people wept that night, and the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Here they go again. Or if only we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims would not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader, a leader and return back to Egypt. Isn't that ridiculous? 
You want to go, you're going you to go back into slavery. Are you serious? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So this is why Caleb and um, Joshua, they said, no what? And, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, um, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we passed through to spy out is exceedingly good, a good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will, he will bring us into the land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. It said they, they impacted a whole use, two of them against the other ten, and they were able to sway like 600,000 people. And the people were afraid as a result of the report that they, that they brought back. They said, no, we can't do it. We can't do it. Now, maybe you're sitting here today. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're not where God has purpose for you to be. You're not where you want to be just because you got that negative complaining spirit on you. Man, I could hear a pin drop. Now, you, you think about saying, man, why am I not further along? Why I'm not, now I'm not doing what God has called me to do. Why I'm not experiencing everything that he has. And these individuals went on to not even see the land of Canaan. They didn't make it into the promised land. Now my prayer is that that wouldn't be any of us, right? That wouldn't be any of us. We're going to lose that whole idea of being negative and complaining because I want to grow. I want to be in position to be where God has purpose for me to be. Amen. They didn't, they didn't wrap their minds around that. And you keep yourself in the wilderness longer and longer and longer and longer and longer. And you go back, well, Brandon, you don't know my situation. You don't know how hard I had it. You don't know some things that happened to us, we don't even know why. Lord, how in the heck is this going to work out for my good? How? It doesn't make sense. I, my freshman year in high school, I didn't want to go to a neighborhood school. So I went to a school on the north side called Sin. Should have known that that was a problem, right? <laughs> Sin, S-E-N-N. But I, said, I had to get up early, get on the train. It took me about an hour to get there. Well, I was sitting in my homeroom, me and a buddy of mine, and this girl walks in, and she's looking kind of crazy. And so we started to laugh. We started chuckling, and it hurt our feelings, and that was the wrong thing to do. And after the class, she told her brother that I, that I put my hands on her. So they confronted me, Gary over there laughing, yeah, this is going to be good. <laughs> he laughed. He know the story. So the brothers confronted me. They did what any brother would do. Why you put your hands on my sister? I said, hey, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. He said, well, after school, we're going to deal with you. So a buddy of mine on the football team said, hey, man, don't worry about them. I said, man, I ain't worried about them because I'm from the CG. Cabrini Green, for those that don't know. <laughs> I'm from the CG. And so after school, so me and my cousin was walking. It's 2.30. We leave the school. Bell rings. We walk out the door. I see 10 of those guys standing right there where I got to go to get to the train. I told my cousin, it's about to go down. 
It's about to go down. I need you to hold my bag and get out of here. Because she, I say, I don't want you to have no parts of this. I, I heard my bag hit the ground. Boom, she took off. I said, okay. <laughs> All right, I guess, I guess my bag just going to be laying there. So they surrounded me. And I say, they say, why you put your hands on my sister? We go through this whole dialogue again. So then we just start dancing. So I'm going around. I gave them some two pieces, pink, pink, pink. And we on the ground. I'm giving them the business. And then till I heard these words, and I'll never forget this. Get them, folks. And all I heard and saw was Nikes, Adidas, Filas, Pro Wings, all of them just stomping. And I'm all I could do was ball up at this point, so I'm balling up. I thought it was over. It seemed like they beat me for an hour. <laughs> seemed like it. But it was only a few minutes, and I thought it was over. And the next thing I know, I looked up, and I saw Adidas kick me right in the eye. Bow! And so, to make a long story short, after that beatdown, I went home. I went back to the CG. <laughs> I went back to the CG. My mom said, you out of there. We getting you out of that school. You are not going back to that school. So you're going to go to the neighborhood school. So I transferred to Near North High School. I spent the whole year being upset and trying to position myself to transfer back out of this school. I did not want to be at this school. But you know that's where God wanted me. I joined the football team, and my, my defensive back coach became my coach, my friend, my mentor, and my father to this day. And we have had a bond. I talk to him probably two, three times a week. And, uh, I mean, he's a, he's a really, really awesome guy. And we would not have had that relationship if I had not got that beat down. And it didn't feel good. <laughs> Trust me. I still, I could, I'm feeling it now, talking to you all. i never forget it. But in the midst of it, I didn't understand. I said, man, how is this going? How does this work with, with Romans 8.28? And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. I don't see nothing in here about getting kicked in your eye socket. I don't see that in here. I don't see nothing about a gang of 10 brothers jumping on you. I don't see that in the text. But it says all things. So some of y'all have gone through some stuff right now, and you're trying to figure out, Lord, how does, this, how does this line up with what your word says? This doesn't feel good. But he didn't promise that it would feel good. He promised that he would do what? He would meet you. He's going to take care of it. He's got it under control. And see, most of us want to get out of it. We don't like pain. None of us don't like no pain. To a man, I don't think anybody would raise their hand and say, I like pain unless something is wrong with you up here. Right? You got to be kind of crazy to say, I like pain, but it's necessary. And what God is calling us to do is trust him through all situations. The children of Israel didn't get to experience the promised land because they couldn't grab hold of that concept to really trust God. Even in the midst of God doing all those miraculous things, providing for them, they still complained. Let that not be us, saints. Let that not be us. And you'll understand when you really don't, when you say, Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy, you, re you really are put in a place when things are taken away from you. 
then you really understand his grace and his mercy. When I was in the hospital and I couldn't breathe, I went in on an ordinary day, was supposed to be out of the, 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 the surgery within four hours. They say you're going to be an hour and a half recovery. I mean, for the procedure, hour and a half recovery, you'll be back at home in the afternoon. Well, it didn't work out that way. It didn't work out that way. I came out, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't do anything for myself. I couldn't eat. I couldn't walk. I couldn't even use the bathroom by myself. And I said, Lord, I said, all I could do is lift my hands and say, Jesus will meet me. Jesus will meet me. And I, I tell you, 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 you don't really appreciate being able to breathe, being able to walk up the stairs, being able to talk, being able to smell until it's taken away from you. Until it's taken away from you. Let that not be you, saints. Thank the Lord for the fact that you're here. We got so many things to be thankful for. Everybody walk through these doors. Everybody can pretty much see me up here. Everybody can talk. Everybody can hear. Everybody has a roof over their head, clothes on their back. Everybody has family. Everybody has somebody that loves them. Everybody, all these things that we sat here and listed, all the things that we take for granted. And God is saying, I'm providing for you every day. Every single day, I'm laying it out for you. You don't even realize it's by my grace that you're able to wake up this morning. Amen. Knowing that we don't deserve it. So as we sit here, let us not be like the children of Israel. Let us not be ungrateful. Let us not get to where God wants us to be. And maybe what it really boils down to is your attitude. Really boils down to pushing that reset button and saying, you know what, Pam, I, I need an attitude check. I need an attitude check. Sometimes it takes getting kicked in the eye. Hmm? You haven't lived until you've been sucker punched. Hmm? My wife heard me say this. She's like, really? Really? <laughs> really? So no, it's just like a wake-up call. Yeah, and it's been living until you had a wake-up call. And said, man, I better get in order. I've been praising the Lord. Every walking up and down the stairs, I've been thanking him like, man, Lord, you never, I never thought, really thought about this before, but I was thanking him like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, thank you for being able to breathe. I said, man, thank you, Lord, thank you, thank you, Jesus. You have no idea. Attitude. Are you going to have an attitude of thanksgiving? Are you going to walk out these doors being the same old negative folk complaining? And what does it say as a testimony to those that don't know Jesus when they hear saints complaining? We the loudest complainers. Oh, Lord, oh, we crying out about everything when we need. Everybody been out of shape about Donald Trump. I'm not been out of shape. I'm not been out of shape. Because I never looked at Donald Trump to save me. I never looked to... Barack Obama, as much as I appreciate having a black president, being able to see that, I ain't looking for him to save me. I'm looking at Jesus, looking at him. If you're here this morning and you need prayer in that area, God got my attention. Um, I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask that you stand if, if 
you've been having a complaining spirit and kind of just being a little bit ungrateful. It's easy to creep up on, creep up on you. It is. And one thing you got to watch is the people that you hang around. You're around negative people, that's going to rub off on you. I promise you, either you're going to infect them <laughs> or you're going to affect them or they're going to infect you. So I want to pray for you, and I stand with you. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word, how we can open it, Lord, how it speaks to us, challenge us to get back in line when we get off course. And Lord, you pour your blessings out on us day in and day out. Sometimes we lose sight of that. Sometimes we, we take for granted your grace and your mercy. We take for granted the fact that we're even standing. We even woke up this morning. It's because of your grace and your mercy. So Lord, help us to have the right attitude, an attitude of thanksgiving, giving thanks in all circumstances. Lord God, empower the saints that are standing, Lord, uh, to get back in line, as I mentioned before. We thank you for what you're going to do and look forward to the testimony that we'll have, Lord God, and that the ultimate goal at the end of the day, the end of life, is for you to look down on us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And let the church say, amen. If there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they want to pray, Lord, I want to receive you today. I want to commit my life to you. All they have to do, the word says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, trust him as your Lord and Savior. You will, your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, let the church say, amen.